All right. Elisa, are you going to set me up for this bit you want me to repeat so bad? Or? <laughs> I literally don't remember anything. Oh, Elisa said that she wants um, a thoughtful gift. But and, she'd also like a pair of boots. Yeah. And I said, there's nothing more thoughtful than designer Desire. clothes. Yeah. Like they literally put a lot of thought into it. That's why they charge that much. The thought that matters. <laughs> they are thoughtful gifts. They, they do all the thinking so you don't have to. That Givenchy dress was so thoughtful. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank these Prada, this Prada handbag is so thoughtful. Those Versace pants on. Those Versace pants. Okay. So wait, we both have to, we have to do a dual look at Atlanta Pride then where we both wear our Versace. The Versace that we gave, we gave each, each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you guys hate us yet? (laughs) (laughs) Mistakes. Ow. If you gave us a one star review for this right now, for being like, we're going to wear our Versace (laughs) pieces of clothes that we gave each other, I wouldn't be mad at you. Yeah. I mean, listen. Like, don't do it, but I wouldn't be mad. Don't do it, but and I would be mad. I would I would be mad. I'd be like, um, these are both secondhand and not even that expensive. Versace jeans couture, both God, of them. We are Romeo and Michelle. <laughs> Listen, you got a shirt that didn't quit quite fit you right yeah. i got some pants that didn't fit me right they're approximately worth the same amount on poshmark so we are. just traded, we traded. Trade and i think that's beautiful i think that's beautiful too <laughs> i agree uh, sometimes life is just so beautiful I, I just can't take it remember that guy from um american beauty crying I do. at a I do. plastic bag drifting through the wind i do do you ever feel like a plastic bag like a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> but do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Sometimes. I do just love that there is a version of that song where it's just her saying that over and over and yeah. over. Yeah. Do over you over. ever feel like a plastic bag? Like a plastic bag. Like a plastic bag. It is a great. It's a hit. It's it a hit. Um. So we just recorded our podcast. Patreon episode. Yeah, if you're not head on over to Patreon. If you haven't yet, I don't really know at this point what you're waiting for. I mean, this week is Elisa's birthday. You could sign up as a birthday gift to Elisa. You could also Venmo her. Yeah, do just also do that. What's your Venmo? Great. So Venmo that. And if you're still feeling follow her on Twitter, follow her on Instagram. If you're feeling like a sugar bestie. Also subscribe to our Patreon so yes. we can all make more per month. And Venmo us too, you know. <laughs> yeah, for Elisa's birthday, Venmo, Venmo us. That's what, well. <laughs> what she would have wanted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have a we have an expensive trip we're planning, so death <laughs> feel free to Venmo us. Um <laughs> Yeah. On this week's Patreon episode, you can hear about the trips we're about to go on. You can hear about Nika's tight pussy. <laughs> <In> <laughs> medical detail. You can hear about um I read in full a scathing, scathing message I sent someone um to tell them what an annoying narcissist they are. Subscribe to the Patreon if those things interest you at all. Um and we answered another New York Times question that leads to love. And believe it or not, we still love each other <laughs> <laughs> and had the same answer again. We did. Um, what do we want to tell people um, not behind a paywall? You know, like what do they deserve to be updated on for free? Um, you just changed your hair color. I did just change my hair color. It looks darker than it is right now, um, but I'm going for a honey blonde. I have to go back in tomorrow and get it lifted a little bit more. Cute, cute, um, cute. But yes, it's my fall winter look. I'll be back. Don't worry to platinum when spring rolls around. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's my hair. <laughs> Sonar right now. You're in good health. I'm in good health. I'm not 
dying. I'm only sniffling because of fall allergies. Yeah. Um, the crush that I talked about on the last episode, I no longer have a crush on them. That's another <laughs> That's update. an important update. Um, as you know, if you listen frequently and or know me, I constantly have week-long crushes. Yeah. It's kind of my thing. This one has expired has expired yeah and that's okay still still a bestie would still like make out with this person for sure but fully was like you're not who i thought you were (laughs) i love who you are but not what i thought i was definitely projecting a smidge fully projecting because you let me lay in your arms while i was sad by a fire yeah i had a feeling that was what was going on but i you know i'm a supportive best friend and i was like yeah let's see this Let's see this crush through. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, aren't all crushes kind of projections? Yeah, no. of course. Well, they well some of them are. Some yeah. of them they just honestly shouldn't be. But <laughs> all of my crushes are projections for sure. Listen, if I could clone and date myself, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I would. <laughs> I'd do it. I don't know if I would date me. Not me right now. If I could clone uh, and date boy me. Yeah. I would do that. Would you? Yeah. Like, yeah, if I could give him a different personality. Uh, that's what I mean. No, like, I just mean like looks wise. I'd oh, fuck. Oh, I'd, oh, I would like oh, put oh. tape on his mouth and fuck. Him. Okay. I was like, I feel like you are, you would not be compatible personality wise no, with boy him. you. I would love to like have like one night where well, like we like enter the matrix and like we're out and like boy me. I have to like hang out with boy me. Boy fag me is there. That would be fun just to see how much I would find him so annoying. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would love to have met boy you, but alas. I bet you would have liked boy me when I was like boy non-binary freshman year of college me. Okay. But maybe not because... No, actually, you probably would have. I always like say that I was like an insufferable liberal arts student, but I don't know why I say that because I actually was constantly fighting with people at school because I thought that they were insufferable. They were insufferable and that everything that we were like theorizing about was classist. And I was like, so fucking dumb that like none of this would make sense to anyone in the real world. Yeah. Put Foucault away, please. (laughs) Put Judith Butler down. Put her down. Put them down. Put (laughs) Judith Butler down. Judith Butler came out as non-binary. Didn't know. Yeah. But now I know. Yeah. Find out here first on Best Mistakes who the <laughs> latest non-binary celebrity is. Um, shall we? Yeah. Uh, you want to go first or should I? I I'll can, go first. Okay. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. Okay, I'm starting with my hot take. Um, my hot take, which I put the feelers out on Twitter, and some people agreed. I only got one disagreement. Is that I love Ariana Grande so much, but she is not a pop star because a pop star would never (laughs) dances. Pop star dances. (laughs) A pop star dances and also would never be a judge on a show at the height of their career. Now, I know that other pop stars have done it. Britney specifically did it. Was not at the height of her career. Who else? Kelly Clarkson did it. I know, but like Miley did it. I would say Miley is only just now reaching the height of her career. But I wouldn't call Molly Molly. I wouldn't call Miley a pop star. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. She's done pop. I mean, yeah. she's a pop star kind of just by the she's qualifications of like being in like popular music and like totally. as to- like t- uh chart topping as she is, but right. Yeah, I, know what I you just mean. like the girl like I'm imagining like Britney or Christina or like any of those girls, fucking Beyonce, any of those like girls in the early aughts doing this at the height of their career. The early aughts is also just like a different landscape, though, because you could actually like make all of your music off of being a pop or make all your your money off of being a pop star. And you can't do that anymore. And she just released a fucking perfume line like this girl is pumping out. No, I'm not saying that she's strapped for cash. Don't get me wrong. But it's like a different landscape. It's a totally different landscape. I just think that she is not a pop star. I think she is really not giving right now. She got married and she's like chilling. I love that for her. She has been in the game since she was literally three. Yeah. 
But Would you say she was a pop star? Yeah. Yeah. I th- not well, c- currently a pop yeah, star. Yeah, I'm just like when I, you know, I somebody on Twitter last year was like, Ariana Grande is amazing, but she's like not a pop star that we're going to be talking about as like being like a pop star icon in like 20 years. And I like really strongly disagreed with that. And now I'm like, huh, you're probably right. She's going to, we're going to know who Ariana Grande was. Yeah. She's still going to be around, but she's, we're not going to be talking about her the way that we now are talking about Beyonce or we're now talking about Britney or we're now talking about Christina, Xtina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think part of that honestly is also because she doesn't dance and I'm sorry, but like her voice is amazing. I know. She's incredible, but she doesn't like put on a show. No, she doesn't. The way that the, the, like the pop icons do yeah. what she's she's not amazing i haven't seen her in person live but i've watched a lot of her live performances yeah well she's, she's not too great like whistle note and like whisper singing in in her songs for that to translate well live she i also think. just she isn't like but she, i do love her anytime she incorporates dancing into her live performances you can see that she is struggling yeah and like listen i could not do any of it no, so but, like i'm impressed and i'm a fan but i agree with you in general slash yeah. also have my own i'm just like girly what the fuck are you doing like sh- making instagram content about blake shelton <laughs> like so embarrassing like your fans are embarrassed i've been an unapologetic ariana grande stan since break free came out when uh-huh. people didn't like her uh-huh sorry elisa was making a face i wasn't sure if she wanted to chime in It's kind of like going from movies to television as an actor. Like now it's fine. It's so depressing. Yeah, I guess I'm just out of touch Um, because it depresses me. Yeah, yeah the the extensions the extensions are gone. The hair is shoulder length again. She's milky white now. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is well, weird. she's a she's a white woman married to a hot realtor now who looks like a non-binary dyke. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. That's how I relate to Ariana. I'm like, we have the same taste in men. Yeah. I mean, listen, I love Ariana. Your Blake Shelton point kind of made me think of Gwen Stefani, who I think I think Gwen Stefani is kind of it's not like she and Ariana Grande have similar careers for any other reason. But I do think that they're comparable in that, like, they're kind of like pop stars of their time, but are not remembered with the same reverence as like their contemporaries, possibly. We'll see. There's no remembering Ariana Grande yet. Like, she's still very much like a an a-list celebrity at this totally, moment totally. but um you know Gwen Stefani was pumping out hits the same time as like Britney and Christina and Beyonce and like yeah we do not look at her with the same eye I yeah. think Ariana's just really in her go girl give us nothing era right now and I hope she gets <laughs> out of it <laughs> but also fucking whatever go girl get, get give us nothing and collect your bag like I don't really fucking care, but I know what you mean. I'm just like, Blake Shelton hates gay people. Does he? He's super homophobic, yeah. He had like a bunch of crazy... What is Gwen Stefani doing? These tweets are from like 2015, so people are like, people change. I'm like, he was 40. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's like super homo. I mean, it doesn't shock me at all, not to be regionalist, but like he's a country singer from the South. Yeah. And he looks that way. He looks the way he looks. Ugh, but he's so endearing. I know. Well, they always are, right before they spit in your face. He does have sociopath eyes. He does have, yeah. He's definitely going to... Gwen Stefani... Get out. He's going to kill well, her. Well, I don't know. If if she's signed up no, for that. No, I just that, mean that. What if he kills Gwen Stefani? No, I mean, I hope he doesn't. But also, <laughs> if she signed up for fucking Blake Shelton, she gets what she gets, you know? She recently. I don't mean that if she gets like seriously uh, murdered or like abused in any way. I just mean like nice if, he's a shitty, nice. if he's a shitty person, like she kind of signed on for that, uh-huh. you know? Nice. With everything <laughs> happening in the media this week, that's what you say. What happened in the media this Gabby week? Gabby Petito. Yeah, but okay. I'm sorry. Rest in peace, Gabby. But literally nothing to do with oh, <laughs> we'll, Blake we'll, Shelton we'll, or we'll Gwen Stefani. We'll it's too soon to make any kind of humorous <sighs> remark about that. Um, okay. Well, 
But like, where is Brian Laundry? Let's move on. Anyway, where is he? Um, my mistake of the week. Ugh, I honestly have had a boring week. I haven't really made any mistakes. Um, <laughs> okay, brag. Oh, my mistake. Small mistake. I over. I um. I overslept for my doctor's appointment on yesterday, so I had to reschedule it for tomorrow. Um, my keepsake. Uh, um, what's my keepsake? I guess my keepsake would be, uh, when was that birthday party? Friday? Friday. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my keepsake. Our bestie's birthday party, um, who like lives in another city. And we just spent like two years or almost a year and a half not seeing each other. Like after becoming friends. And now I've seen them. A few times this summer, which mm-hmm. has been really lovely. And I'm going to be seeing them again next month. And I'm going to be seeing them in December. So just like nice that we've they've entered the fold now as someone I'm seeing a lot more. Rather yeah. than that out of town friend I see once a year. Yeah. So that was a, a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Great. My mistake this week. Um, twice now I have like kind of overbooked myself a little bit with like either errands and like to-do list items and social plans or like social plans and social plans or you know like any combination of those things I've like underestimated how long certain things will take um right now being an example as Mm -hmm. one of our friends waits in my apartment for me um (laughs) while I record this uh so yeah I'm just uh my mistake has been just a general loss of um uh like concept of how long things take but nothing there's been no huge um consequences for it it's just sucked because I'm generally pretty good at that kind of thing um and it's like right on the heels of the week that I uh fucked up my hair appointment and like thought it was a different day than it was. And so I'm just like, damn, my ADHD is absolutely popping off right now. And I don't have a psychiatry appointment until the end of November. That is the next earliest they could see me. And I'm like, I need to be medicated. My brain is not working. Um, but whatever, that's my mistake. Um, my keepsake this week, um, I have been very on top of my like OnlyFans stuff and my like um like just logistical shit in my life. Like I'm to- I'm on top of the work. Um I'm doing the work. I've been really on top of like figuring out travel plans for like more people than just myself. Like mm-hmm. I've been on, I've figured out like travel plans for getting a bunch of us to Atlanta for pride in a couple of weeks. I like have been absolutely busting my ass to figure out the best way for us to both get to and stay in Mexico when we do that in the winter. Um, And I've been, like I said, like really on top of like posting and sending out messages and stuff consistently on my OnlyFans. I've been, um, I like dropped off dry cleaning. (laughs) I like, I don't know. I just feel like a little bit for, for my mistake being something that is like, um, how I feel like my life is not together. My keepsake is reminding myself how it is together at the moment. And like, and you know, I've been cooking for myself. I've been like, I don't know, just a little bit on top of things. Um, and the concept of time has slipped through the cracks. Sure. But whatever, I'm about to have a fun trip in Chicago and I have all my scheduled posts and messages ready to go. So I don't even have to look at my OnlyFans the whole time I'm there. Yes. Make that hashtag passive income. Um, and hopefully, yeah, I will also just like, I, I will have very little I'll need to do, um, to like get the Patreon episode up while I'm there and stuff like that. So I'm, my keepsake is that I'm like about to reap some rewards from 
having my shit a little bit together, even though it's also not together. And that's fine. That's life. Life is all about having your shit together in some areas and not having your shit together in other areas. And it's a constant, um, it's a constant back and forth. Um, my hot take, my hot take is that comedians have a lot of fucking nards making fun of DJs so much. It's like an ongoing punchline in like so many different comedians jokes that like about how bad it is, like how their life is. It just goes to show how bad their life is or whatever because of like they're dating a DJ or like, oh, not another DJ in my DMs or like whatever. Just talking about how much DJs suck. And in the last like year, the amount of DJs in my life has gone up by like 400 percent and um, much more pleasant people than comedians. (laughs) Also providing a much more... Um, needed service than any comedian ever has. Agreed. And I just had no idea because I wasn't really in up until this year, really in the world where DJs just like, I don't know, are in my life very much. I wasn't really someone who went out a whole lot because I was just always doing comedy and Uh you can't really do both. Uh-huh. Um, and now <laughs> I'm proving that by going out a lot and not really doing comedy, but because I'm going out so much, um, and like w- in a group of friends with, uh, many DJs in it, I'm like, what the fuck was the last eight years of my life being surrounded by comedians and believing their lies about DJs sucking so much? What is it? What is it that DJ or that comedians hate about DJs that is not also true about comedians? I don't know. DJs get invited to parties. Comedians don't. Oh, <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. I have no idea. It's so weird. That is my hot, spicy, hot take. DJs are better than comedians. Mine would be Nikki's tweets about the vaccine and like her cousin's friend in Trinidad getting swollen balls right before his wedding. Fully that. (laughs) It was so funny. All the memes that came out of that. And also just like, babe, with that platform, you're really going to tweet shit like that. She's married to a sex offender. So, yes, like, you know, I'm like, I agree with you, but I'm just like. The people that were shocked, I was like, really? She married a sex offender. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're really surprised that she's like kind of anti-vax. I mean, I'm not surprised that she's anti-vax. It's no, just I know like you're not. Her entire Twitter feed has just been so funny. She's been like really trying to like play both sides and yeah. being like, I'm just trying to weigh my options. And I'm so like, why are you do? Why are you doing this so like publicly? I don't know. It's just I interesting. She's like, hmm, you, you and then, have like all... retweeting videos of Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She like posted something about like, you've all been giving me a lot to think about. Like, I'm probably going to get the vaccine soon. I'm like, if you were that easy to persuade, like, first of all, why did you wait this long to think about it? And second of all, why are you like having your fans do all this labor for you to like do that research for you? Yeah. Whatever. What I love is that because she was like, I wasn't at the Met Gala because I'm not vaccinated. It caused Bella Hadid the next day to post a photo of her being vaccinated because she didn't go to the Met Gala. And (laughs) And she's like, this is why. And it wasn't. Yeah. She literally like the photo of like the doctor putting the needle in her arm. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, I love that. So yeah, Bella, Bella Hadid didn't go to the Met Gala. And so because Nicki Minaj said I didn't go to the Met Gala and it's because I wasn't vaccinated, Bella Hadid the next day posted a photo of herself being vaccinated months ago. Just to be like, that's not why Why I I wasn't at the Met Gala. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because every time, like at the Emmys too. Yeah, she at, at the Emmys too, people were like taking note of which celebrities weren't there and being like, "Does that mean so and so isn't vaccinated?" And I'm like, "That's like Kylie Jenner. Let's... Kylie Jenner wasn't at the Met Gala." Yeah, yeah. Were like, is she not vaccinated? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. y'all, let's like calm down just a smidge. Yeah. Um. Did you see the speaking of the Met Gala? Did you see the video of the TikTok influencer who like 
got into the Met Gala without a pass and then like posted about it on Twitter. Nothing has no. happened, but it's just like, you're so dumb. Why? Like That's kind imagine, of hilarious. Hilarious. But I'm like, imagine getting to the Met Gala, like absolutely like sneaking your way in and then like blowing your cover. At, like you could have done that again next year. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> Dumbass. But I'm sure Anna Winter will probably just extend her a ticket because fucking Macala was full of like TikTok influencers, yeah. which is so bleak. And the empire is the number crumbling. Of, and all of the fucking social media stars that were at the Met Gala, like none of them were on theme. I mean, I know no one was on theme this year. Blech, whatever. I'm not really trying to talk about the Met Gala right now. As one of my favorite tweets said, how many days in a row must I look at celebrities, celebrities in little outfits? In little outfits. <laughs> like, I just, I agree with that. I, I feel like too. it's very, like, flashing, like, colorful things in our faces to, like, distract us from the, like, fall of an empire. Um, however, if you're gonna be invited to the Met Gala, As someone who cares about just, like, art, it's so offensive to me that, like, you got there, presumably, like, paid the really expensive ticket price, and you show up in, like, just a, like, a little, like, sequins dress and with no, like, discernible nod to the theme. It's just, it's an, it's an, it's a disgrace. And it's also... I'm also like, why do we keep having Met Gala themes that are clearly so hard for these like pea-brained celebrities to figure out how to dress for? Let's start having like really simple themes. Also, like not barely anyone wore an American designer. Yeah. It's like the theme was literally American. Wear an American designer. One of my favorite YouTubers that talks about fashion. I forget their name right now, but I'm sure I'll shout them out at some point because I talk about them all the time. But they had a really good point that like, America, a lexicon in fashion is like such a broad theme and you could have done so much with it. Like there are so many directions you could take it in because there's just so like such a rich history of like American fashion being so distinct and bizarre and different from like European fashion and like Asian fashion and often in like a way that has been looked down upon like American fashion is considered like, you know, casual in a way that other countries don't like respect and it's considered whatever. Like there's all these reasons why um, it would have been the the day to turn up in like a distinctly American like fashion trend from any decade and make it look amazing and be like, see, we fucking like we show up too. we're not hard ass did that. Well, I honestly, I had a lot of, I know a lot of people didn't like Timothy Chalamet's look, but I actually really liked that Timothy Chalamet wore sweatpants with that tuxedo. He also jacket. always, he always, I'm sorry, like any red carpet he's been on, he looks good. I he like, does. <clears throat> and, but I thought that it was like very, very clever and like a nod to casual American yeah. style to wear like a really like crisp tuxedo up top and like sweatpants, sweatpants and Chuck Taylors on the bottom. Like I thought it was. A good look. I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. Listen, I don't accept Timothy Chalamet slander. <laughs> yeah, He's everyone the, should know this by now. One of the best actors of our generation. And is always hot, shows up to a red carpet in a look. Like, if you are constantly tweeting that you think Timothy Chalamet is not attractive or talented, there is something Just- psychologically <laughs> wrong with you. Just, like, get a life. Get a life and, like, get over the boyfriend you had that broke up with you in college. That looks like that Timothy looks like Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all. Okay. Stop projecting. Shall we listener mistake? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm going to keep talking Met, Met Gala red carpet looks and I simply cannot let myself do that. Um, do Timothy Chalamet, if you're listening, I would gladly get an STI from you. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet, if you ever need someone to swallow your cum, I'm here. I know that he absolutely fucks. Oh, he sucks. fucking fucks. Being with Capricorn, I've been with a few Capricorn men. Yeah, no, Capricorns they know how fuck. to absolutely get down. <laughs> Listener mistakes. Okay. <clears throat> so this listener mistake is a very special, very special, very special listener mistake of from, the pod. from a, the, a bestie of the pod. One of the bestest besties we have, Pierce. Yes. Um, 
So the subject line is Elisa voice listener mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Nika and Anya smiley face. It's Pierce writing you from from a plane that I'm currently wine drunk on. Not a mistake. I'm not really sure what defines a mistake for myself because I'll do pretty much anything for the story. (laughs) But I think my former co-workers would definitely call this a mistake. So I'll jump right in. Halloween of 2017, I decided to go out with my friends and boyfriend at the time to a gay bar we used to love. (laughs) I I don't know if I should say it or not because um, she censors it. But for your own record... (laughs) okay we had all planned to do molly there and once we got drinks and settled in the backyard we took it however after i'd taken the whole pill my friends told me the dosage was strong and they had only done a half naturally terrified because i consider myself a lightweight i asked my boyfriend and my bestie sam to take the whole pill too so i wouldn't be alone (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, they did. And when I started coming up, I realized it wasn't fun for me to be in a patio full of people. So I grabbed my things, told my friends I couldn't be there and just kind of bolted. My boyfriend and Sam met me outside and we decided to walk around all night and ended up having a blast. The next morning, I had to go to work at my shitty little retail job for a makeup company, which meant lots of social interactions all day. When I woke up, I felt great and thought I just had a really good night's sleep. I got my breakfast sandwich and rode the train to work for my morning shift in such a great mood. When I got there, my manager looked me in my surely dilated eyes and said, you must have had a lot of fun last night, which is when I realized I was probably still rolling. When my first client came in, she was looking for a foundation and I very happily said yes and asked her to stand where my favorite light was for matching foundations. Before I even put foundation on, um, I just sprayed a hydrating spray and and gasped because I thought it looked so nice, <laughs> clearly rolling, and said Jennifer Coolidge said in a Jennifer Coolidge voice, "Wow." <laughs> then when i then when i brushed the foundation onto her skin it was still wet and dewy and i blurted out eyes wide open and probably unblinking you have the most beautiful skin i've ever seen you look so good and thought we were really having a moment together (laughs) lol rolling I have never in my life been so nice to customers for so long. And for the first half of my shift, I had the best sales in my time there and really enjoyed myself. After lunch, I crashed so hard that at one point they had to call and ask where I was. The bathroom sleeping. Oh, my God. (laughs) And told them I had an upset stomach for lunch or from lunch. After... At least my third Gatorade of the day, I finally clocked out, went home and slept for probably 12 plus hours. I had preemptively requested the shift off considering it was the day after Halloween, but it was denied. So I guess the real mistake wasn't doing the Molly, but rather just not having the backbone to call out or the self-awareness to realize I only felt so good because of the afterglow. (laughs) Love you girlies, including Elisa Obvi, and hope your days are going so well. XOXO Pierce. Love you, Pierce. Love Uh, you, Pierce. That was iconic. (laughs) Wow, your skin looks amazing. Wow. (laughs) Jennifer Coolidge oh pierce you're gonna love my birthday gift to you speaking of yeah that's my one hint you don't get any more hints you hear me (laughs) um wow 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 would you like to take us in a deep dive yeah um so my deep dive is actually like not that old of a mistake it's a recent one but i was like the emmys just happened so I'm going to take you on a deep dive that you already know about, but no one else does, um, about the entertainment industry. Deep dive. Deep dive. Why are you giving me that face? I don't know. You said I already know about it, but no one else the, does? The Amazon show. What? When I was going to read... All right, I'll just get into it. <laughs> you fully know. So, a few months ago, um, somebody, for the first time ever in my life, a casting oh. person... Yes. Okay. A casting person reached out to me directly for the first time ever. And 
um, was like, hey, um, I am like, I work for this person, for this production company. We're interested in you reading for this role, for this show. It's a new queer show that's going to be on uh, Amazon. And we think you'd be a great fit for it. So, like, just read the sides and then let me know. And then we can, like, move forward. And I was like, okay, cool. Queer, trans character, sick. So then I read the description of the show. And the description of the show is that it's about a... That the character that this person wanted me to read for is not just a queer trans person. They're a trans queer Latinx person by uh-huh. the name of Sol Delgado. And the premise of the show is that they are part of a large, loving, Catholic, Latino family. Um, and, you know, the show is, like, supposed to be about, like, a series about, like, black and brown love and, like, the complexities of being Latinx and queer and trans uh-huh. and... Just like a lot of shit that I obviously was like, abort, abort, abort. Like, (laughs) I am not, I can't read for this role. Yeah. But the other part of me, you know, the like self-deluded, psychotic part of me that is like, I'll do anything to (laughs) To make it. To make it. (laughs) Was like, well, what if I fucking read for the role? Like, I'm trans. Uh Uh-huh. What if I read for it? Obviously, as I'm saying that, the other part of my brain is like, you can't like do like you're not doing that, though, girl. But like, I don't know, like a few people that I talked to were like, you know, you probably shouldn't. But why not? Like, if not you, then someone else. Obviously, I wasn't going to get the role anyway, but I was like, it's a good way to get my foot in the door. So if I really have no chance of getting the role because I'm unknown and I like no knows who I am. Why not just read for it and get my foot in the door? Mm -hmm. So I kind of like leave it and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is fucked up. I can't do it. And then I'm like, you know what? No, like uh, maybe I'm going to do it. And I like do this for like two weeks. We're like back and forth. I'm like pivoting between I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then finally the casting person reaches back out and is like, hey, we haven't heard from you. We still really want you to read for the role. Let us know what's up. And so I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe I should just like email her and tell her my discomfort. So I email her and I tell her my discomfort. And I'm like, listen, like I'm like a white queer trans woman. This is for a Latinx queer trans woman. Like I just don't totally feel comfortable reading for this role. But like you reached out to me, so let me know what you think. Like, what are your thoughts, bestie? Because if you still want me to read for it, I guess. And so she reaches back out and it's like, oh, like, no, like, your instinct was right. Like, we are just looking for a Latinx person for this role. Like, thank you so much for trusting your instinct and reaching out and we'll be in touch for other roles. Which, like, looking back and, like, in the moment, I was, like, truly psychotic that you didn't, like know that I'm not Latinx. Yeah. Like I thought that she knew. Yeah. I thought they were in on it. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, like where? Like my backstage profile, I clearly look white and mm-hmm. am white. My last name is Lomazzo. Uh-huh. So Italian. Like, where did you get that from? I wanna know. So long, you know, the short of it all is that I didn't read for the role. Thank God my integrity won out in the end. (laughs) But the mistake is that I even entertained it for as long as I did. Right. And was so caught up in like the idea of like, this is it. This is my big chance. Um, Even though like I'm not even actively trying to be in the industry right now. (laughs) Right. I'm like straight up vibing my way through life right now. (laughs) But like, I think because I've just been tantalizing. Well, yeah. And because I have been vibing and that happened, I was like, oh, wait, this is what I moved here for. This is what I moved here for. Like, should do it. Again, like, if not me, someone else. Yeah. Which is, like, how this keeps happening. Yeah. Right? Is that, like, white people keep being like, well, if not me, like, another white person will do it. The role's mine. Right. Or, like, cis people do that with trans roles and so on and so forth. Right. So, yeah, that's my 
I mean, I understand. I haven't been put in that position myself because there's like truly nothing about me that anyone could confuse (laughs) for like not being white. I have no ethnic ambiguity, as they would say in the industry. But um, but I understand like there have been like moral like um, and ethical quandaries I've had in the in the industry where I'm like, uh, you know, I feel like something probably should be like going to a certain person and it's like offered to me and I like wonder like, you know, For example, if someone books me on something and I like notice that the lineup so far is like all other white people like in that moment. And I have done this before. Like I will usually decline and say like either use my spot to book some people of color or like if you still want me to do the show, this is my like condition is you need to book some other people that are not white. (laughs) Uh Um, But when you don't always have like a standing for that like sometimes I've definitely had a situation where I've turned down a spot and they just give it to like now a white guy and I'm like well it would have been better for it to at least go to like a queer femme person Mm -hmm. but that's also not my like decision and it's like better to just err on the side of like being careful as as long as you on your side are doing everything right the people in power you know are gonna keep being shitty probably but like we got to do what we can. So I know what you mean. I know how that feels yeah. to certain extents. And it's annoying. It's like, can't the industry do this on its own without us like regulating it on its behalf? It's a fucking, it's a nightmare. So anyway, much like you. <laughs> tie it in, tie it in. Tie I'm it trying, in. I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, <laughs> okay. This has like nothing to do with each other. I mean, much like, you um seeming right for a certain project um because of like one aspect of your identity but not necessarily being right for it in the other aspects of your identity mm-hmm. um so too <laughs> was the reason for the mistake of um, the 1631 printing of the King James Bible, later to be known as the Wicked Bible. Oh. Um, so let's get into it. Best mistake. So the royal printers of um, that time were Robert Barker and Martin Lucas, and they published a translation of the Bible in 1631, which history would soon remember as the Wicked Bible. Their errors in this publication would ruin their lives and change history. So let's talk a little bit about um, Robert Barker. Let's talk a little bit about the King James Bible. And then let's talk about how these two things um, culminated in a specific printing and what was wrong with that printing. So Robert Barker was a printer of James or King James the first of England and the son of Christopher Barker, who had been a printer to Queen Elizabeth the first and was famous for his patent on English translations of the Bible at the time, most notably the Geneva Bible. So this is what I meant by an aspect of Robert's identity is that he was the child of a royal printer and was therefore given a lot of, um, uh, responsibility that he might not have been right for. <laughs> okay. um, after working in the printing business for some time, Robert began working with his father's printing company in 1589 and inherited the printing house on November 29th, um, 1599 upon Christopher Barker's death. Um, much of Robert's printing work was of an official nature, including prayer books, scriptures, and law books for King James the first. Um, and so King James the first of England, if you're, if you don't know, was the successor of Queen Elizabeth the first. He was, um, the son of Mary Queen of Scots, whom Queen Elizabeth had beheaded. But since Queen Elizabeth had no heirs of her own, he was actually technically le- next in line as he was the great, great grandchild of Henry the seventh. Um, and so 
Um, he was the king of Scotland before that, and then he became also the king of England. Many people saw the rise of a new king to be the opportunity for religious reform that they had been waiting for, because for the last few decades, England was in this like constant upheaval of like becoming like Catholic and then Protestant again and then Catholic. And like people were upset by the whiplash that um, the like royal family specifically had been putting them through because of King Henry VIII um, and like, you know, all of his bullshit, which I feel like would be a good episode in and of itself is that he like changed his country's religion so that he could get divorced, essentially. Um, So people were upset about just like, thinking that England wasn't religious enough or the proper type of religious. And they saw this fresh leaf and this new king who wasn't even like, who wasn't the child of the previous um, queen to be like an opportunity to put their own influence on him. Um, He ascended to the throne on the 24th of March in 1603. And on his journey to his English coronation in July of 1603, King James was stopped by a delegation of Puritans who presented him with a list of grievances and proposed reforms. It was signed by over 1,000 clergymen, which was 10% of England's clergymen at the time, and um, was subsequently called the Millenary Petition. Um, Among the grievances, there was no mention of a new Bible translation. Um, King James called for a meeting at Hampton Court Palace in 1604 to address the concerns of the millinery petition. And um, it was like set up as an attempt to try to hear both the Catholic and Protestant sides with James as the mediator because he was born Catholic but raised Protestant And um, he like felt like he was someone who could like hear out both sides and be like a good, um, you know, judge Mm -hmm. on like who's who's correct here. Um, He uh, rejected most of the idea ideas put forth by both sides because he was honestly pretty like happy with England's religion. He was really frustrated by the like state of religious affairs in Scotland. And he found England to be like more in line with where he was personally anyway. So it was kind of like a performative thing that he was like hearing everyone out. And he was like, definitely going to take them into account. But um, the Puritans weren't even invited to attend the first day of this conference. And he largely disregarded most of their requests. But the lead Puritan voice in attendance of the conference, Dr. Dr. John Reynolds, introduced the idea of a new Bible translation right at the very end of his other ideas that he was presenting because King James was like shutting down all of his Puritan requests. And so it wasn't even like planned for him to present the new Bible translation as an idea, but he could feel that like he was running out of time and he thought that um, a new Bible translation would appeal to King James. And his direct quote from the time was, those which were allowed in the reign of King Henry VIII and King Edward VI were corrupt and not answerable to the truth of the original, speak like the original Bible. Um, King James did famously hate the popular Geneva Bible for its anti-royalty message and agreed that the new translation would be for the best. So in 1607, 54 Bible experts gathered at Oxford, Westminster, and Cambridge to discuss the translation. They came from all levels of religion and had different ideas about the reform that they wanted to see. And they had to follow 15 rules given to them. Um, One of them, one of the rules being to keep the language accessible to common people because most common people were illiterate at the time and would be hearing the Bible more than they'd be reading it. Um, So um, only 48 of the 54 experts are actually recorded um, because some of them died before the translation was finished. Can you imagine like dedicating part of your life to a piece of work? And just because you died before it was done, you're like not credited. I just find that to be a weird thing that would not happen today. Anyway. Um, so the way it worked was that the translators were broken into subcommittees. Each translator independently translated the same section of the Bible, which he then brought back to the subcommittee. All of the translations were compared and then one was selected to be sent to the gen- to the general revisiting committee or revising committee 
And then the revising committee listened to the translation rather than read it um, because that's like they wanted it to be a Bible you could listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they wanted the Bible to sound right more than look right. If the translation didn't sound good, the general committee would debate and revise and the passage would be edited until it sounded good. Um, afterwards, they would send their approved passages to a few bishops who would then send the passage to the Archbishop of Can- Canterbury, um, who would send it to King James, who had the final say in the approval of the new translation. The translation was finally completed in 1610 and was ready to print, which brings us back to Robert Barker. Robert Barker, as King James' appointed royal printer, was now responsible for the printing of one of the most influential and important books ever printed in the English language, the King, Cham- the King James Bible. He printed the first edition in 1611, and the entire cost was undertaken by Barker himself, who ultimately made almost no money back from the work as the profits went to the king. His reward, rather than the profit, was an exclusive license to print the Bible henceforth. Um, The first edition contained many, many minor mistakes, which were then corrected in subsequent printings. So this is putting this like, well, he's probably like pretty well off because he's the royal printer. But it was like $3,000 or 3,000 pounds of his like own money. Oh, wow. At like um, just to print this. To, to have the privilege of printing this. And then the money that was made from it went to the king. So he's really banking on the fact that now he has exclusive rights to print the English um, translation of the Bible that they have. Um, and so he, even though there are a lot of minor mistakes in it, he like fixes those mistakes. And then now his like life plan is to print the Bible and make his money back like slowly but surely on his like small percentage that he gets off of this Bible. Um, So in 1631, he prints another revision of the Bible, which would, which is now known as the wicked Bible, sometimes called the adulterous Bible or the sinner's Bible. Um, It was intended to be a word for word reprint of the King James Bible, but there are two significant errors in the Wicked Bible. The first error is the omission of the word not in the sentence, thou thou shalt not commit adultery, changing the sentence into thou shalt commit adultery in the fucking commandments. Oh my God. The second error um, was in Deuteronomy 5, where the word greatness was reportedly misprinted as great ass, leading the sentence to read, Behold, the Lord our (laughs) God hath showed us his glory and his great ass. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, It should be noted that technically at the time of the publication, the word ass only meant donkey, but it has only gotten funnier with age. (laughs) Um, the printing resulted in many people in England committing adultery in the 17th century and possibly even contributed to part of the reason separatist Puritans desired to leave England, which would later lead to the great Puritan migration to New England um, in the 1620s. Oh, my God. Um, about a year after publication, Barker and Lewis and Lucas, the other printer were called to the star chamber and fined 300 pounds, which is the equivalent of about anywhere between 50,000 and a hundred thousand pounds today, I guess, um, and deprived of their printing license. Barker never profited from his history making enterprise and he died in debtor's prison in 1643. Poor guy. King James ordered all the copies of the books be collected and destroyed. A small number of books survived that burning. And there are 15 known copies of the wicked Bible today in collections of museums and libraries um, in the British Isles, North America and Australia, as well as as a small number of private collections. Um, Copies have been known to sell online for about a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my God. 
Yeah. Um, I was literally just thinking as you were talking, if I could find one online, that <laughs> answers that. <laughs> Absent negatives that completely reverse the scriptural meaning is actually extremely common in Bible translations. This is the most famous example of that, but there have been so many that there is a word for defective copies of the Bible due to mistranslations or printing errors, and it's called Bible errata. And um, like, there's so many examples of this that... Um, these infamous Bibles are perhaps evidence of the existence of biblical errors that have been left uncorrected to this day. Um, another example is known as the fool's Bible from 1763 in Psalm 14, one, it omits the word no and reads the fool hath said in his heart, there is a God rather than there is no God. So it basically says that a fool, only a fool believes in God, which is like a very funny atheist misprinting. Um, So that sentiment set those printers back about 3000 pounds at the time um, with having to recall and reprint those Bibles. Historically, the omission of no and not is um, considered quite common. And until 2004, the style guide for the Associated Press advised using innocent instead of not guilty to describe acquittals so as to prevent the inevitability that they will sometimes be omitted, the words no and not. Um, But there is a theory that if these mistakes in the Wicked Bible were actually Robert Barker's fault... You may remember earlier I said that Barker was awarded an exclusive license to print the Bible by the king. If he were to lose that license, his rival competitors would be able to print it as well. There are theories that the Wicked Bible was the result of sabotage, the main evidence being that unlike the omission of not from a sentence, um, God's great ass is not a logical typographical error for um, God's greatness. Like, it doesn't make sense how that happened. And even though absent negatives are common, how likely would it be to omit it from one of the Ten Commandments? Yeah. Um, So it may be one of the most hilarious and, like, pointless mistakes ever made. Or it may be, like, full-blown sabotage that was never proven. But... um, the poor bloke died in debtor's prison because of it. So that's terrible. Yeah, that's absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> my awful. sources are um from todayifoundout.com, and the article being <laughs> how the King James Bible came about. This is honestly a great website if you ever just want to fall down rabbit holes okay. of like wild shit. Okay. Um, how the King James Bible came about, written by Emily Upton in April 2014. Um, and org, The Great Puritan Migration by Rebecca Beatrice Brooks, May 24th, 2017. And um, history.co.uk. Um, Popery, Puritans, and Witches, The Reign of King James I. Um, and I don't know if this says who wrote it because it's like for just like a history thing. I don't see an author anywhere. Okay. Um, oh, Richard Bevan is who wrote it. And I also watched a couple YouTube videos about it. One being... Um, Manifold Greatness, The Making of the King King James Bible. Um, And it's on the University of Austin or of Texas at Austin um, YouTube page. It's like a lecture about it. It's actually very interesting. Um, And Book Minute, The Wicked Bible by the Museum of the Bible. And I will say that it was during this research that I found out King James was gay. Had no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like kind of openly gay. He like wrote love letters to he like had at least three different documented romantic and sexual relationships with men. So I'm like, if you're out here writing your own goddamn Bible that is now going to be in all of our hotel drawers till the end of time, could you not have like made it more pro gay since you were yourself? Yeah. Gay, my guy? That would have been cool. So that's the real mistake, listeners, is that King James was 
pretty openly homosexual and didn't make his Bible, which is to this day one of the more influential translations of the Bible, be like, yo, that whole sodomy thing, not what we're talking about. Wow. I wonder... Did they douche back then? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I bet. I bet they found a way. I'm sure. The first person to get poop. When there's a will, there's a way. The first first gay person to get poop on their dick. (laughs) Was like, let's figure this out. Yeah, had to have been like, there has to be another way. Anyway, moral of the story. Moral of the story. Stop fucking translating the Bible. Yeah, we're done. We we're we, done. we were done after the first try. And we're like, leave it alone. It's done too much harm. We're done. We're done with the Bible. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Um, my moral of the story is, you know, you don't have to do a job just because your dad did it. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you also don't need to like work for the king. There's a saying in North Korea that um, Kim Jong-un is like the sun. You need the sun like you need to be close enough to the sun to like live. But you get too close and it kills you. Why do you know I, this stuff about North Korea? What? Why you, why do you know this about North Korea? <laughs> because I've watched a lot of videos about people who have escaped North Korea and they tell in their videos like the little sayings that they have there. Okay. And I think that that is a very apt saying for any royal family. Yeah. Like being just far enough away but like still in the like royal like court yeah. I think is an, a way to like have a good life. But as soon as you're working directly under the king for no reason, your life is about to get destroyed. Yeah, Harry somehow. figured it out. Prince Harry figured it out. Yeah. He went to California. Yeah. Go to Cali. <laughs> yeah. Robert. Why didn't you just go to California? <laughs> Join the Puritans that hated your guts and go to Massachusetts. Um. Anyway. That's that. That's that. Uh, right into the pod. Not all your mistakes can be as funny and well-written as our besties Pierce was, but you can try at, at bestmistakespod at gmail.com. Test your holes. Test your drugs. And kiss your kiss friends, your friends on, on the, the mouth. mouth. Uh, Mwah.